Hi, I'm Emily Trotter, and you're listening to Bible Talk on the Nothing But Fine Network. When I was a little girl, my grandfather, who was a gospel singer, always said he was nothing but fine when someone asked him how he was. My hope is that within our studies of God's Word, you will be reminded that through hard seasons and unforeseen circumstances, we can find contentment because God is in control and life is nothing but fine. Oh, hello. I know I've said this every time, but I always, you know, I listen to the, I push the button that has that intro on it. (laughs) And sometimes I just sit and I have to remind myself to speak that there's nothing coming next (laughs) except for me to talk. (laughs) That's who y'all are listening to. God bless you. Um, so hey, hi, good to see you. No, you know, I'm not seeing you. Um, I feel like I am. I feel like that we're here together. So just know that I, I mean that I'm not being silly or just saying that thing like to encourage you to tune in. No, I honestly feel like I'm, I'm sitting here with you all. Um, it's really kind of weird to be honest, but, um, anyway, uh, I, I was so excited. So I was still studying to, I was still studying to bring this study, to bring this word. This is a word. I'm so excited um, to bring this word to you. And I was like, stop, you got to record right now before you water it down too much and before you forget why you were so excited. So today we're talking about the next beatitude, which is our third one. Um, It's in Matthew 5, 5, and it's blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Um, So we're just going to jump right into it. So here's the thing. I've been carrying around this book, Lord, Only You Can Change Me by Kay Arthur, and I really, really love it. I know I say this every single time, Um, and I... I've been carrying it around, refreshing my, because it's all about the Beatitudes. It's about these Beatitudes. Um, and so I, I, I've read it. This is probably my third or fourth time reading it. And every time, like, this book is getting a little ridiculous because I keep marking new things. <laughs> and so I can't. And yesterday I was at the soccer field and I was reading it and marking and um, I was like, shoot, I need more colors. I need, I wish I had a highlighter so I could make this a different color than, than what's already here because now it's just blue ink and next to black ink and it looks anyway. So I'm having a hard time seeing what I thought was awesome this time as opposed to what I thought was awesome the last time. Z- plural that I've read it. And here's the thing. That's what's so cool. And that's how much I love this book. But that's this is amazing that you can read a text numerous times and find something new every single time. And we have books that we love. I mean, because this is just a book. It's just a it's just K. Arthur's thoughts. Um, right. But and we have books that we read over and over again, some of you, y'all, y'all know my deal with Harry Potter. I mean, I listen to it. I don't read it anymore. I just listen to it on Audible. But I mean, I, there are parts that I love and I look forward to. And then every once in a while, there's a little thing that I that I'd never have noticed before, a little phrase that I've never noticed before. And so the cool thing, though, about the Bible is it's the same way. You can read the same passage over and over again, and you will learn something new Maybe not every time, but eventually something's going to pop out at you that you will learn something different. So, um, but I was holding this book and this woman sitting next to me, and it was so interesting because we had been talking about 
um, just in this little Bible study that I started um, with some friends. I'm not leading it. I'm, I'm a, a attending a Bible study. And we were talking about, um, someone was talking about, you know, being at on a, you know, at your kids sporting events and, you know, looking at that as the mission field. And, um, you know, I'm probably the oldest person in this study and my children are the oldest. That's a humbling spot to be guys. Um, and, you know, I thought to myself, shoo, I have never used the soccer or the baseball field or the football field as a mission field. <laughs> In fact, I probably needed to be <laughs> preached to a little bit. I was the one needing the Lord in those spaces. And so, and, and as I was sitting there watching the game and reading this book, another gal from the, from the study came up and she was like, you know, I'm, I'm looking at this place a whole different way now. You know, this is my mission field. Have you ever viewed it that way? And I was like, no, I, I have not. Um, and so we were talking and she, you know, went back to her kids and I sat down and in a few minutes, the mother sitting next to me said, ma'am, uh, what book are you reading? And I looked at her and I was like, oh, it here. And I just handed it to her. So she starts looking at this book and read the back of it. And I really thought, gosh, I wish I could give it to her, but I, it wouldn't be beneficial for me to give it to her in the state that it's in. Because, I mean, like I said, it's got so many notes and things in it now that it's like, I mean, she would have a hard time reading it for herself. You know what I mean? Um, and all the answers, to because it's a devotion, too. So it's got my answers and everything in it. And so I wanted to give it to her, but I couldn't. And so she and I ended up talking about church and about the Lord, uh, mostly about church for the next, you know, 15 minutes or so. And I had to text my friend that had come by and I was like, you're not going to believe this, but I just said that I've never, you know, used this as a mission field or seen this or anything, but here is this. And then somebody asked me about this book that I was reading that I chose to read and get out at the soccer field. Lord, only you can change me by Kay Arthur. Um, and her, my friend's response was, Oh my gosh, that's the Lord. That was a God thing. <laughs> and it's, it's, it made me giggle, but it also was so true. So, so here, there's that piece about me in this book. So I, I have marked it, marked it, marked it, marked it, marked it. This chapter, oh my gosh, is so amazing. I mean, I want to just read y'all the whole thing, <laughs> but that would be like, I feel like that would be like copyright infringement. Um, but I was listening to, you know, even this, as, as the intro was playing in here, I was listening to, you know, that nothing but fine, that God is in control. And that is exactly what this is a reminder of. That is exactly what this meekness is. We don't know what meekness is, right? Or we have a, we don't truly understand what it means. At least I don't. I mean, we think of meek being, you know, this little small, insignificant, quiet, not insignificant. That was ugly. Um, but we just think of someone who's not very pushy or not very vocal. Someone who just, just kind of like a doormat, right? Is that kind of what you think about with meekness? If someone's so, oh, you know, just not very, um, Maybe not confident, but maybe, you know, you just kind of takes it, doesn't really stand up for themselves, I guess is the word I'm looking for. And that really cannot be farther from the truth to what the true meaning of meekness 
is. Because all of these things, I don't know if you've noticed, but all of these things in the Beatitudes are characteristics of Jesus. I probably should have started the whole thing with that, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago, but here we are. Um, the Beatitudes, are, he's talking about himself here. He's describing his own characteristics. And therefore, that's how, I mean, but isn't that the point of what Jesus came to do anyway, is to show us how to live? Yes, that's what it is. So this is his, you know, he's giving this, here's how you're supposed to live, guys. And what I noticed, um, too, which is exciting, because I saw a reference that um, of Psalm 37. And I, I hate to admit this, but I don't remember every Psalm that we covered. <laughs> so when I flipped in my Bible to to Psalm 37, it's covered with my notes. And I was like, oh, great. We did this. We talked about this one already. Um, so if you haven't heard that, go back and listen to it. I feel like it was good with the amount of notes that, that I have written in here and the sticky notes on this page. But look, th- look at this in Psalm 37, 11, but the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Huh. David was talking about this. David was telling us that we need to live in meekness. Right? Gosh, because what I wrote here, remember this inherit the land. I'm going to go over this real quick in case you've never heard me before. This inherit the land was something that God started promising uh, people all the way at Abraham. He started promising Abraham that you are going to be a father of nations, that your descendants will be more than the stars in the sky, more than the sand on the shores. Um, and different note about that. I just read something. If it was NASA, y'all, I don't know. Um, that the stars in the sky are more new. Like we, there are so many more than we can even fathom. Like we think we may know where the, where they all are, but they just, there's more of them than we think. So, and I immediately, I know I'm weird. I immediately thought of Abraham and his descendants. Like, wow, we just can't even quantify Abraham and his reach that he had. Right. Right. So anyway, God starts this promise to him that you're going to, I'm going to give you a land. I'm going to give you land that you will inhabit and your, your people will be there and your, your, your sons and your daughters and here, all of this is going to happen. And so, you know, that takes a long time because it's not until after Moses is, has passed on when Joshua comes as the leader of the Israelites out of Egypt. They've come out of Egypt. Remember, they came out of Egypt. They wandered in the desert for 40 years. And now Moses has passed on. He's looking at the promised land, but he does not get to go in it. So he is this inherit the land that they're going to go into. And this is my friend, Carrie Strickland. She gave me this quote, and I think this is amazing. She said, the significance of the land was that it was the place where God's presence, power, and provision would overflow in the life of his people. If you look at that in relation to blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. I just got chills. And if we look at that as the place where God's presence, power, and provision will overflow in the life of his people, as David says, the meek will inherit the land and enjoy great peace. Woo! 
oh, we need peace. Look at how this connects. Y'all, this is so exciting. I am so overwhelmed right now. I just don't even know how to go on. Um, Sorry, I'm going to get it together here. But here's, so here's the thing. Um, And the Passion Translation notes that Jesus is saying that when you claim nothing as yours, everything will be given to you. You get that? See that connection here? You see that? Because what this meekness calls for, to be meek is not to be weak. It's not to be like a wet dish rag. To be meek is to be submissive. I know that's a tricky, tricky word because, um, listen, I have four sons and my oldest child, I, I think all of them kind of, you know, say that, and Bo says this to get a rise out of me and every girl he ever meets. So young ladies, if you ever come across my son or, you know, ladies in general, if you ever come across my son and he says something that offends you, he's, I promise he's saying it in jest, but he likes to get me riled up about this wife submitting to your husband. Now, mind you, he doesn't have a wife. He doesn't even have a girlfriend. At this, at the recording of this, he does not have a girlfriend that, you know, of course, can change tomorrow. Lord Jesus, please be preparing a woman for him. Y'all, can y'all all pray for that? I need a strong woman to come in <laughs> and help me raise this child. <laughs> I'm ready to turn it over. Could y'all be in prayer with that for me? Oh, Lord Jesus. Anyway, but Bo likes to throw this at me. So that's the thing that we think of when we, because that's in our male dominated society. Uh-huh. That's the, when we think of submissive and submitting, that's what we think about is a man in a relationship that is the boss and who doesn't care about what's happening to those surrounding him or underneath him, if you will. That's the idea that we get. So again, that's where that weakness, that idea of weakness comes from. That's where the weakness comes from. That's why we think to submit. We think, oh, I've got to be weak. I've got to be kind of powerless in this situation. I've got to lay down, you know, my own thoughts and and feelings and desires. I've got to just put everything aside and just blindly, mutely go with what I'm being told. And that could not be further from the truth, from what true submission really is. Because here's the thing. I mean, we, this day and age, and I, it probably is more prevalent than, than I am aware of. And, um, I apologize in advance if you hear this and you go, oh, yeah, right. But to me and my privileged um, American life, I can say that, you know, submission is not necessarily something that we have to deal with in this day and age. Like we are not like under the thumb of anybody. We're pretty much on our on our own, even though we feel like we don't have any freedoms, we we have a lot. Okay. And I know that there are some countries on this planet that this is not, you know, the case for them. So I'm saying that statement as a white woman in America. Okay. So take that for what it, for what you will. I'm not saying it to be disrespectful. I'm just, that's my, who, what I know. So, but when I think of, you know, when I think of submission, 
I think of, I don't, I have never lived under a tyranny or a dictatorship where I was not allowed to think for myself. Okay. So I have had the luxury of being able to choose if I will submit or not. And all of it is kind of irrelevant except for the idea of who, of will I submit to the Lord. Jim wishes I was more submissive to him, (laughs) but I'm only concerned about the Lord. (laughs) So if we are looking at it, it's to submitting to the Lord. Look guys, you know, this is may not be the strongest argument, but as you might as well, because he's sovereign, he's already, he knows all the deal already. He's already laid everything out. He already knows how it's going to go. Okay, it's like, but we are given that free will to choose. And I know that that's like a hot button. Like, how can we have free will if he will? Because I believe that the Lord gives us that free will to choose, but he also knows what choice we're going to make. And some people say, well, that's not really free will. But is it? Yeah, it is. To me, it is. Because I feel I don't feel pressured to make any kind of decision. I feel like I have the ability to choose what I'm going to do. Because if I really didn't have any choice, then I would, we would all be like Jesus because wouldn't God make us perfect? Wouldn't we be just kind of mindless little people wandering around the earth? And I mean, and really what point would that be for him if he's just created a lot of little drones to do and worship him and not mean it? Doesn't it mean more if we choose it ourselves? And it doesn't discount the fact that we already know what choice is going to be made. Think of it like this. Mac Trotter, my 11-year-old, loves vanilla ice cream so very much. And he loves Oreo cookies. If I were to say, Mac, would you like vanilla ice cream or Oreo cookies? My money is going to be that he's going to pick the vanilla ice cream. And and he will, especially if sprinkles are involved. Even though that's a hard decision for him to make, ice cream with sprinkles or Oreo cookies, that's going to be hard. It becomes less hard if it's ice cream or watermelon. Still probably going to pick He's going to pick ice cream for that. Uh, Vanilla ice cream or Zaxby's chicken fingers? Ooh, that's close, but he's going to pick ice cream. I feel confident in saying that because he's my child and I know him. And I watch him. And I see how he lives his little life. And I know how much he loves vanilla ice cream. Even to the point of, I'm full, it's going to make my tummy hurt, I'm going to eat it anyway. Right? Because if you say ice cream, his his little ears go, ooh, what? Did somebody say ice cream? Are we having some? Every time. There's lots of other things you could mention that he doesn't necessarily (laughs) pay attention to. He always hears the word ice cream. Right? So that's our free will, and that's why we have to submit, while we have to kind of abandon that. So, But it's not a 
But again, that's not powerlessness. That is what John MacArthur describes as supreme self-control. And don't we need that? I mean, too much of a good thing is bad. Too much. We, we need some self-control. Uh, and in Philippians, Paul gives this, um, Philippians 3. I love this. So starting in verse three, it says, for it is we who are the circumcision, we who are, we who worship by the spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus and who put no confidence in the flesh, though I myself have reasons for such confidence. Well, Paul is saying this because listen, he, he, and he says, he says, if anyone else thinks he has reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. I was circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel. He was a Jew for real. Okay. Of the tribe of Benjamin, even knew his tribe. A Hebrew of Hebrews. He knew all the stuff. In regard to the law, he was a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church, he was like top dog at this, okay? As for legalistic righteousness, faultless, he was following the law. I mean, he did exactly what it was, what they were telling him to do, and he was very knowledgeable about it, very respected amongst his peers for his. Uh, Hebrewness, if you will. And then he said, and then of course, y'all know he met the Lord, right? Okay. So in verse seven, he says, but whatever to, was to my prophet, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. He had respect amongst his peers. He had authority. Okay. He considers that loss. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of sharing in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. And so somehow to attain to the resurrection from the dead, not that I have already obtained all this or have already been made perfect. See, we're still working on it, even Paul, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. Paul's saying, I don't, I haven't gotten it yet. I haven't gotten it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead, I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. The next verse is so important. Verse 15. All of us who are mature should take such a view of things. And if one, if on some point you think differently, that too, God will make clear to you. Submission. Living in that submission. Choosing to lay it all down. 
choosing to follow the sovereignty of God. I argue that true submission is powerful and it's freedom. And one day, if you, in your meekness, in your submission to the sovereignty of God, you will inherit the earth. You will in, live in the land where God's promise and presence and provision is overflowing. Oh, my friends. Won't that be wonderful? Let us strive to live in submission to the sovereignty of God. May we always be pressing forward to attain that goal. The goal of Christ, the goal of living in the land in complete peace. Jesus loves you, my friends.